Welcome to Art Conversations, and I am your host, Lisa Jane Irvine. As a practicing visual artist, I've had the opportunity to meet many interesting individuals along the way. Every path I've ventured down has provided me with a greater knowledge in the arts, as well as a vast array of experiences that have helped to shape my practice both in and out of the studio. I encourage you to grab a cup of tea or even a coffee and settle in as we begin my conversations with my guests who are working, practicing, exploring, even playing in the arts. Deleo Delgado is a Dominican-Canadian artist based out of Hamilton, Ontario. He has a Bachelor of Fine Art in Multidisciplinary Studies from the National School of Visual Arts in the Dominican Republic. Deleo also graduated from the Altros de Chevron, the School of Design, which is affiliated with Parsons, the New York School of Design in New York City. Deleo also has completed digital media production as a graphic designer at Mohawk College. Between 1997 and 2021, Deleo has exhibited extensively in public and alternative spaces in the Caribbean, Europe, and the USA, as well as Canada. Some of the galleries his work has been seen in include the Civil Museum of the City of Cremona in Italy, the Art Gallery of Peterborough, the Houston Museum of African American Culture in the United States, the Print Biennial in Varna, Bulgaria, the Biennial of Dominican Republic, the Havana Biennial in Cuba, IDB Cultural Center in Washington, D.C., and recently at UMI Gallery in Hamilton, Ontario. DeLeo has been living in Hamilton, Ontario since 2013. Please help me welcome Delio Delgado to the podcast. Good afternoon. Good afternoon, Lisa. How are you? I'm good. How are you? Got my coffee ready for our chat. <laughs> oh, I'm having one as well. There you go. I'm really excited that we get to talk because there's so many different things we can talk about. But I thought maybe we could talk about how you started your art career, where you learned about art, where you started, where you grew up, a little bit about your history. I was working back home, and that is Dominican Republic, as a pizza boy on a food truck. In my free time, I'm always doing drawings mm-hmm. to pass time. And the owner of the food truck just called me and says to me in a very nice way, because I was still a lot of time working. I just, whatever I can find to not work, I would do. But he was very kind and says to me, hey, do you know about the art school here in the Dominican? And that's how I started going formally into it. But Mm -hmm. before that, I used to sell drawings at school. like. I was in a very good preschool, but most of the time I don't have any money. My mother has no money. Mm-hmm. She would pack little lunch and send us with that. But at the break, everybody goes and get a Frenchman to go with that. And I had no money for that. So I, I started doing maps, like a homework for kids, mm-hmm. maps of Latin America, maps of the war. And then I started doing little maps for a penny, for a buck. So... That was also early starting off on drawings. So, so that got you started with your drawing skills. That was trying me. That was 
very early, way before going to the art school with the idea from the Pixar maker guy. Mm-hmm. But at that time, I was already in university doing something else. And so the art school that you went to, you had mentioned to me, it's a very formal sort of art school. What kind of training did you get? It's very formal training, very classical training. You're not going drawing with the stick to measure Mm -hmm. proportions of the body, looking at most of the Michelangelo's courtyards and that sort of thing. So it was very, very classical training. It was fantastic. I mean, I was obsessed with measuring the body and the proportions, trying to get it right. Do you ever use that classical training now, or do you just like, you feel like there's freedom? At the time, that's all I knew, and Mm -hmm. I'd love it. But once I I moved to this private school that we talked previously, Artus de Chabon, and they have live model. So that was big change. I was like, oh my God, she's moving. How do I get it? So, I mean, it served me to deconstruct it and move from a figure art student graduate to abstraction. Mm-hmm. So that was kind of how it serves me. Yeah, I knew how to deconstruct it after I just, I could close my eyes. I could look at something at the time, close my eyes and draw it. Oh, wow. Draw it back. No problem. Yeah. Then I start mixing that and deconstructing that. And so when you first started, were you doing just primarily drawing or were you interested? I know you're doing painting now. I so. was doing drawings and mostly figure art, mm-hmm. but I wasn't prolific at all. There was something that in the back of my mind that was telling me, this is not what I want to do. Mm-hmm. I never put anything out, never put anything out on that sense, not until I started my thesis mm-hmm. on school which get me in trouble because I was so good. And my teacher says, what's your idea? And I did something that looks of what you have behind you. Mm-hmm. I started doing these flower scenes. Mm-hmm. They were like a descriptions of a member of my family, like a characteristic of members' family. And then I just picked one of seven, ten persons. I know I picked everybody. I made these tinted flowers with their characteristics. And that was my the beginning of an astral journey that I am. Yeah. And so you grew up in the Dominican. So can we tell me a little bit about your journey to get to Hamilton, Ontario? Yeah. It's something out of a movie, almost. I was just really into my school. My school, the National School of Visual Arts, it's inside the Colonial Song, which is like... Um, a very tourist area. Mm-hmm. So you are exposed to all these different travelers. So my daily life started like meeting here and there girls that were like taking photos of the architecture and asking things. So one of those afternoons, a friend of mine was hanging out with a Canadian girl. Mm-hmm. And we went for coffee all together and a very friendly shot. And she was like, oh, you look amazing for a friend of mine that I know that would love your personality. And she's coming with us next year. And I was like, oh, great. If you wanna, if you wanna introduce me to her, that would be beautiful actually. And she did, she came next year and they went directly to my house because my friend was there in here. So they knew where I live. So he grabbed the two of them and yeah. went walking to my apartment where I live with my mother. And 
I remember my mother knocking at my bedroom door and saying, hey, you have friends looking for you. I thought there was friends of mine. I didn't know that it was two Canadians there. Yeah. So I come out in my underwear, <laughs> cleaning my eyes because I just wake up. Hey, what's going on? And oh, my God. And my mother screamed, oh, there's here. Put some clothes on the stars, laughing at me. I went back to get dressed and uh, come back out. And they said, let's go for coffee. This is the friend that I wanted to introduce you. Oh, fantastic. So we went out and we started walking towards getting public transportation to go to a cafe. And just in that walk, something happened. We don't even talk. We just look at each other the whole time. Yeah. Like walking the whole time, the whole time. And then like 10 minutes into the walk, we just hold hands. Like this. And yeah. we started walking like a cowboy and looking at each other. And I can't speak. I'm like mesmerized. Because this is like a blonde, 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 goldy blonde girl with super green eyes. Yeah. And just beautiful, like a porcelain skin. I'm like, oh, my Lord. And uh, we did 22 years. There you go. Love yeah. story. <laughs> that's how. So it was, it was I, love, not art, that brought you to Canada. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was pure love. I felt for this girl big time. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, she allowed me to, because she was wanting to me to come to Hamilton sooner than where I came. I said, if I'm going to live in Canada, have a life in Canada with you, I need to have something, you mm-hmm. know, like a career or that I can work or something and I'm already an art student so I need to finish this and she says yeah we can go back and forth and and that's how I started I first came in 1996 mm-hmm. and every year to visit her in Hamilton till 2003 every year mm-hmm. back and forth and she would be back she would be there I would be here she'd be there I graduated in did a couple of shows around Latin America. And in 2003, she said, well, I think we can just get a place in Hamilton. What do you think? You, you're now exhibiting and all that. So, you, And I, I was like, you know, I, I agree. Uh, now I have a, a sense of where I'm going with mm-hmm. this. So let's do it. And so when you first came, did you find it hard to connect with the community, the arts community? Very hard. Very hard. I had for about two, three years, I have no friends, mm-hmm. and I had no idea how to navigate the city or mm-hmm. connect with our people. And on top of that, I had the nastiest drag laws you will ever see, <laughs> at least in Hamilton, Ontario. <laughs> I had 15 years of drag laws like this. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah, but it was like, I had this because I've always been an experimenting guy, and my taste in music kind of dictated the look. I wasn't 100% into reggae. I was more into punk rock and ska and reggae. And so I had this zero shaped size of the drag laws. And then I have like a pristine, massive, pineapple looking, aggressive drag laws. And I, I remember I, I, I make a note like this bit and then yeah. they were pointing like, like this out. So when I walked downtown Hamilton, I was everybody. I never seen this in it. It kind of surprised me because like, oh my God, I'm in Latin, in North America. Yeah. But all of these people have seen it all. Why are they all looking at me like this? And it was that they were really aggressive and really out there. 
So, so, so you obviously though did manage to get into the community and people did I, get I to know of, you. Yeah, so. I kind of like starting going to concerts, public concerts and bar. I remember going before Queen mm-hmm. bars, that little stretch on, on Queen, they had all these little bars. Before they disappeared, they had all these little open bars that reminds me home. So I used to go there and then I started meeting people and people started telling me, oh, if you're not a graduate, yeah, this is where the galleries are. This is where the things are happening, but it's mostly in Toronto. So you're going to have to take the bus. And so that's how I started. It was a slow graduation. Very, very, very slow. Yeah. I was very surprised because back home, I was making a living as an artist. I never mm-hmm. worked, never worked after I graduated from school. I never had normal job. I was just out there. People mm-hmm. were like, what do you do? I do this. Oh, can we see? Yes. And then, oh, I, I take this one out. I take this one. And I was making a living as an artist, which I told her, if i selling this much, stupid thinking, you know, if I'm selling this much in Canada, it's going to be this much more. I'm going to be rich. Yeah. With this. And it was totally surprised that when I came here and started noticing that people really don't buy art. It's a different it's a world different, for sure. More, yeah. Yeah. Your early work, you did a lot with migration and displacement. Can you talk a little bit about your early work when you first got here? Yeah, I took that topic because before graduating, I started traveling around Latin America, Mm -hmm. doing these little group shows and settling in those places for a short period of time Mm -hmm. to the point that when I went to Curacao, for a group show, and I fell in love with the small island living and mm-hmm. all the European, specifically Holland, Amsterdam travelers, because Curacao was a, a Holland colony, mm-hmm. was a whole, colonized by Holland. So they had lots of tourists that come from there. So I started to thinking, oh, I should live there. Mm-hmm. I should live here. I started experiencing what that's like, moving around. Same thing when I went this scholarship to Parsons, the, the new school of design in New York. I had the same thing. I went there and then I couldn't afford to be there, but I fell in love with the city. And mm-hmm. I started living there for short periods of time. And then back home, and I did that with about, I don't know, maybe half a dozen countries. Mm-hmm. And then came to Canada, started experiencing a different culture again. I set my mind to kind of like, explore the idea of displacing yourself, even in a temporary basis. How Mm -hmm. do you experience that? How do you adapt to a new culture? And how do you merge your culture with that culture? The idea of belonging, belonging Mm -hmm. there. So that's where the maps start coming in. I start making this inserting myself in certain maps and locations in a way to make myself belong to the place. Mm -hmm. I think a lot of people, especially here in Canada, can relate to that. So I think like so many people could relate to your work in that way because so many families do immigrate here and they come and they resettle and that experience of not having what they're used to around them and adjusting to culture and how things are different. Yeah, for me, it's always fun. It's always interesting to explore things, explore different mm-hmm. things. See how I feel about it. See how mm-hmm. they feel about my field. It was very surprising to also find 
that much of diversity in Hamilton. Mm-hmm. I was really shocking, actually. The seeing so many Middle Easterns, so many Africans, so many Asian, this melting pot of things happening. Mm-hmm. It was very beautiful. We're very fortunate to be in such a diverse place, that's for sure. So more recently, your work has changed. Will you talk a little bit about that journey and what caused the change and how you're seeing the world through a different lens? I was doing what we just talked about, working on displacement and and migration. And I did that for a while until I unfortunately got sick and had to spend some time in the hospital, contracted this disease, this COVID thing, Kind of, not kind of, like it directly affects the way I see everything now. Mm-hmm. And this thought of mortality and desire of surviving, it just, it came over. Everything changed after. I started working on, from my bed, my hospital bed, I started already thinking on what is really my purpose in life. Where do I want to go with this? And the idea of make it. So which one is it? And so the desire of leave, of still here, it was predominant. And so I started this new body of work on mortality, on persistence, on resilience, but very connected also to a lot of things that were happening at the time. Lots of all these medical things, all these needles, all these lines connected to technology, connected to machines. Mm -hmm. Is that where the line is coming into your work then? Because I've noticed like you're using a lot of line. I have a lot. I was very traumatized to be Mm -hmm. quite honest with you. It still, it scares me. The Mm -hmm. amount of needles that I, my body went through. It's a matter of fact, there was one moment when I survived all that and I am now, in rehabilitation, trying to learn how to walk again, how to move my body again. And mm-hmm. a doctor came to see me, my doctor, and he was in awe. He stand in front of me in the walking uh, path that they had for you to start making little steps. And mm-hmm. he says to me, directly to my eyes, he says to me, Mr. Delgado, I can't believe the amount of things you went through. He had my medical records, and it was one treatment after another, one treatment after another. And he was like, wow, he survived this, then they moved to this one, they survived this one, then they moved to this one. And so mm-hmm. this stuff, I wanted to put it on, on a body of work, all that. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I can't even fathom, like I had a much milder case of COVID than what you experienced. So I can imagine how this would change your worldview were you aware of how serious it was in the moment? I wasn't aware of how bad can it get me. I protect myself very much before contracting this. I've seen that my friendly spirit, and just at the time I just got a dog. I grew up with dogs, and I always wanted to have a dog. In the relationship that I have with this girl that brought me to Canada, she was allergic. I chicken be around dots. So I was, I spent 22 years with her with no dots. So I said, you know what? I'm free now. I'm going to get a dot. And I seen that friendly spirit of mine going out with the dot and started sharing with other dots on her. Mm. Somehow in that 
interaction relationship with this friendly dog owner as well, I think it just brought home something. Oh, wow. Some people said that it goes really fast, one week, two weeks. But what I didn't consider was that I already had type 2 diabetes and I already mm-hmm. have a blood pressure issue. And I was born with a kidney problem already. Everything was managed with just pills, you know, consistent treatment of pills and blood work and that sort of thing. And it was all controlled. But then this disease just grabbed that and just mm-hmm. smashed it and threw it around. That was my ignorance on the disease that I didn't know that it will affect these other things that I have. That must have been really scary. I'm, I'm glad really you're here to talk to me, though. I'm really glad you're here to talk to it me. It's very scary. <laughs> when I was in the hospital in the bed, I, dash, I keep looking at the ceiling and crying and saying, oh, my God, it's all on my mind because I cannot mm-hmm. talk with anybody. And I had these tooth mm-hmm. and the ventilator and other stuff. And I'm thinking, I mean, what's happening? What is going on? And slowly I started to say, you're not done. you got to get out of here, man. Mm -hmm. From the point that you had that realization to the point you were back in your studio, how long was that? It was 12 weeks in the hospital. Mm -hmm. And coming here, starting to walk, it was months and months of just trying to move. At the same time, I'm coming from these ideas already from my hospital bed. Mm-hmm. I'm already fired up inside. The same desire, the same desire of surviving there was matching the same desire of putting it on a paper, putting it on a canvas. So it, mm-hmm. it was, I was like burning inside to tell these tales. And somehow, I don't know, I just had this mystical, romantic idea that maybe it can help someone. If I don't do it verbally, this is the only way I can do it. This is the only way I can communicate it at the time. Can you describe some of the early pieces you created once you started working? Like, so people who haven't seen it can get an idea of what yeah, your work I, looks I, like? I have these maps, beautiful blueprints on Mylar paper. Mm-hmm. And it was a job that I did in Hamilton at the Scientist Research Inland Waters, it's called. Mm-hmm. It's a research for terrain, elevation, and water in Canada. And most of these maps were around here, from Tonawanda, New York, to Quebec, mm-hmm. and Niagara, Hamilton, and all that. All these areas. So this is my area. This is the area where I am. Mm-hmm. And I started friendly intervention on them. Everything that come out was these lines connecting me to technology to save me. And it was only that that was coming mm-hmm. out. And I started to look at them as if individually I was then and missing that with a specific map locations. Kind of like trying to map where this is going in a very abstract way, kind of like mapping who have this mixed with all these news that were coming at me because then I was like like a sponge trying to understand what was happening also out there, who got it, who doesn't, who was affecting the people that was mm-hmm. getting it the most. Right. So but also getting into a social economic so, type of thing, like a who's getting it. Oh, income are getting it the most or middle classes or like what's happening and why. And mm-hmm. so I started kind of mapping 
some of those stories in there and then playing with color as well. The color kind of play a bit importance on it because it was also like a softening and giving you the hope. I was going to ask you about your colors because they are very soft and muted and they feel very tranquil. So talking about mortality, like, do you feel like that's part of that tranquility in the work or? What I believe is that once I got out of there and started recovering, thinking about it, thinking about mortality, it wasn't threatening anymore. It was Mm -hmm. like, uh, I have surrendered to death in a Mm -hmm. sense. Like, if I'm going now, I'm going now and I'll be okay. Mm-hmm. But if you want to also continue, it's up to you as well to tell yourself, okay, I choose this. I choose life. And the only way that I could say that was after all these darkness topics that I'm trying to put together, it was with color. It was with soft look of mm-hmm. the image that I'm trying to create. Mm-hmm. You've been quite prolific. Like you've created so much work. Are you in the studio every day? How often are you in the studio? How much do you create in a day? Like I know that's a hard question for an artist because we're always creating. But yeah, for me, it's not difficult at all to respond and to answer to this because it's kind of my thing every day. Like mm-hmm. I have so much on my head. I don't know any other way to express it. I'm not a very social person. Even when I'm talking to you, I'm not that open. I'm Mm -hmm. very shy, actually, and reserved, and I don't go anywhere. So it's just me and my dog. I start talking with my dog like a crazy person, and then I say, okay, I'm going to put that on this canvas, what I just told you. And what I just told you is that maybe this law and this golden ratio is not that golden or... Just an expression, just like mm-hmm. maybe the whole thing is just one single particular field that I want the spectator to experience. Mm-hmm. I'll make sure that I link your Instagram to all the show notes because, I mean, the line, the color, the expression you're talking about, I think people should check out. I'm blown away by the scale of your works. Like you put how big they are. They're not little tiny pieces you're doing. You're doing big works of art. Right. It's so impressive. So you should be proud of what you're producing. And I'm glad that you're telling your story with me today. So thank you. Also, I'm curious, though, you started to do these photographic pieces in the last few days. Is that coming out of this as well? In a sense, but it's mostly, to be honest, just a way of staying away from the painting. People think that they're always fun. Oh, you're Mm -hmm. an artist. You must be fun. Or they mm-hmm. think it's a hobby, but it's actually, in my personal experience, it's a very intimate look at yourself mm-hmm. and all the good and the bad. Mm-hmm. Or if you paint from the point of view that I come from, I use myself as a point of reference in relation to everything else. Mm-hmm. And, you know, those photographs are everyday objects that I come across in this isolation that I have in my studio, which is my apartment. I mean, mm-hmm. I think it's like um, 80-20. It's more mm-hmm. studio than apartment, <laughs> but that's my life. It's just going away from the painting. When I'm stuck on it, I don't like to saturate it. I have learned 
in 20 plus years of being an artist, I had mm-hmm. learned to take pause with the work mm-hmm. and have that back and forth communication. Mm-hmm. You know, I had learned how to step back and look at what I'm doing. What is the idea? What is the idea, man? What are you trying mm-hmm. to do? And just let the painting tell you what to do. And then in those breaks, my mind had to keep going. I had mm-hmm. to keep going. I had to keep creating. So doing these videos and doing this photograph. And I go into writing as well, but it's it's very shy scene. Mm-hmm. A very shy scenes. Mm-hmm. Do you keep a sketchbook or do you just like to be more immediate? I have yeah. many. Oh, there you go. I, have, I just did this little piece before I got to this meeting. I got this little piece that is called, it's going to be a video action performance as well, but I just put it on writing and it's related to the COVID-19 thing. And, and because I'm Hispanic, so I call it the Hispanic variant. Okay. And it's just, in English, it's just, hello, goodbye, hello, goodbye. Hello, goodbye. But it's, it's in Spanish, but it's, the tone is like, I play with the tone of how I am expressing this, the sentence. Mm-hmm. Hello, goodbye. I take pause and then I go and hello, goodbye. Hello, goodbye. And it's just repeating that maybe a dozen times. Mm-hmm. That's it. That's the Hispanic variant. Some brand over here, the virus, trying to not just talk about the virus, but also about my background, where mm-hmm. I come from. And is, is this variant deadly to you or is just mild? Or is it just like a, an experience that you have with someone that you got introduced and it changed your life? Yeah. So that's when I go into hello, this person just coming to you, but then goodbye, this person just leave. But how does this person came and how does this person leave? What they left behind for you? It's kind of abstract, but it's there. So that's where the sketchbook comes in. You're planning out yeah, the idea. I do everything on a sketch first, except a finished sketch for a painting. I just, I don't even do the square. I just put ink and mm-hmm. a few lines. And that would dictate the kind of the beginning of the direction. The direction. But everything yeah. else is on my head. Oh, I like that. That's interesting. I love hearing how artists come up with their ideas and their process and thinking out things. So, it's always interesting how we vary a little bit. Yeah. Everybody yeah. have a method of how they approach their own. Yeah. I'm uh, a sketchbook user myself, so I carry mine everywhere I go. So I used to do that as well. It's been more difficult for me here mm-hmm. going places with that. But back home, I even have them made specifically for me. Oh, I wow. them, you know, with binders and my name and yeah. my name on the little corner and the year. And very simple, but then I have a well, few of those. Yeah. That sounds great. I'd love to have one of those. That'd be amazing. Yeah. So thank you. I just thought maybe before we wrap up that you could say, where do you think your direction's gonna go or what kind of things are you going to explore in the next little while as you yeah, move forward? I, I to be honest, I it's been very hard to find opportunities to show these ideas. And what I'm gonna go is I want to have in Canada, because back home, I used to work on large-scale paintings. This is not a new thing for me. Here, I have been limited, too, because of the space situation. Mm-hmm. But I want to go back to that. I am going back to that. 
thanks to the Ontario Art Council for mm-hmm. these drums that allow me to do this. And that's the direction I want to go. I want large scale paintings. I'm going to keep doing it, but it's very hard for me to find opportunities to present a submission for work. And it's very hard for me as well to put it together on writing, like a writing for a submission. It's very hard for me. Mm-hmm. There's some people that help me and I appreciate that. So that's the goal at the moment, just to find opportunity to display this work and then go from there. I have a feeling that it'll come sooner than you think. So I'll keep my fingers crossed for you. I hope so. (laughs) And of course, don't forget to invite me. (laughs) Of course. There you go. Well, thank you so much, Delio, for your time. I really appreciate it. It's been really amazing. Yeah, it's been amazing hearing your journey and your story. Thanks for the opportunity to invite me to this. Great. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for tuning in to Art Conversations with Lisa Jane Irvine. If you enjoyed today's episode, please subscribe and hit the like button. And don't forget to check out my website, Facebook, and Instagram accounts. Thank you for listening. See you next time.